Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all here. Uh, our passage for today is from Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 38. That was just read. Let us begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, may your word work in our hearts and change us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, if you paid attention to the gospel reading, a big topic that pops up into this passage is the compassion that Christ had for his people. Now, to really understand what compassion looks like, let's do a mental exercise together. Right? So I want you to imagine you're at your favorite coffee shop, and you know the auntie who runs it very well, the staff members are all your good friends, you smell the coffee in the air, it's a great day, you're feeling very happy. Suddenly, a new server comes to your table. She looks sullen and shows no mood to engage with you. She pours the coffee without even looking at you. And she's distracted, so she spills the coffee on you. Watch what you are doing, woman, you'll probably say to her. Right? But then, she ignores you and just walks into the kitchen. How are you feeling right now? Annoyed? Angry? What would be your reaction towards her if you see her again? Now, let's continue on. After a few moments, the auntie who owns the shop comes in and sits next to you. Uh, she's not aware of what has happened. And then she starts chatting and she tells you, Hey, have you heard the story about this new server I employed? Uh, very kasihan uh, story. You know her husband, uh, the sole breadwinner, died in a car crash a few days ago. And then uh, her kids who are also in the car, now all in the ICU, no guarantee that they will make it. So I uh, figured the least I can do, give her a job, uh, help her with her situation. Now, how are you feeling about the situation? How would your reaction be towards her now after knowing this piece of information? Hearing the story should change the way we feel about things, shouldn't it? You might have wanted originally to demand an apology from her, ask for compensation. But perhaps now, you're happy to let the matter slide. Never mind lah. Kesian. Who knows what was on her mind? Was she worried about her kids in the ICU? Or how to pay the rent? Or what to do now that her whole world is turned upside down? So friends, this is the power of compassion. Compassion changes the way that we relate to people. And the passage today points us to see how compassion should change the way that we see ministry. So we see in verse 35, the form of the ministry that Jesus has been doing. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And we see here that Jesus has been going around teaching, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom <coughs> and healing people. Now, interestingly, this is not the first time that Matthew says this, right? He said this earlier in Matthew chapter 4. So why the repetition? And I think this is simply a repetition that moves the narrative forward. So we see in Matthew chapter 4 
that there is one difference. There, Jesus went to Galilee and did his ministry. And here, that same sentence is used, but it's changed to all the cities and villages. So the ministry of Jesus is now not just to Galilee, but to all the cities and villages. Now we know that Jesus primarily did his ministry in this region. So why does he have to change it to say all the cities and villages? And I think Matthew is slowly repeating this verse that highlights the ministry work of Jesus and starts making a subtle change here to help us see just how wide the scope of the ministry of Jesus is. Originally, it was Galilee. Now, it's all the cities and villages. Now, ultimately, Jesus did most of his ministry within the boundary of Israel and mostly in Galilee. But I think Matthew is just pointing us to a picture of what the scope should look like ultimately. <clears throat> so we know where the news of the kingdom of God will go eventually. Right? Not just to the Israelite village or city, but to every corner of the world through the work started by the disciple. So I believe that Matthew is saying these things to try to give us a sense of the vastness of the ministry of Jesus. He's trying to imply this is not a one-man job. Yet here we see this picture, isn't it? One man alone going to village after village, city after city, bringing the news of salvation, <coughs> even as he proclaims the gospel of the kingdom. So now this gospel of this kingdom that Jesus is preaching, what is it? We know it's clearly from the Old Testament, right? Jesus was teaching this in the synagogues. This is the good news that the Old Testament promises to those who are hoping in God. It is the good news that God himself will come to dwell with his people. He will bring them eternal joy, life, remove their pain and suffering. And we saw that in our reading from Ezekiel, isn't it? God comes as their shepherd. And we have seen in the previous weeks, Jesus is the Messiah who's been teaching about delivering this invitation, come into the kingdom of God. He's going around bringing this message, hope and salvation, from the Old Testament. But instead of talking in it in the category of the promises of the past, Jesus is saying, the kingdom is here now, come in. And he says, follow me. And so he's inviting people to come into that kingdom by placing their trust in him and becoming his disciples. And that's why we see that he heals here to show us that he really is the one that God sent to bring salvation to his people. He is the king. And he has come to gather his people in every town and village. So, having established that Jesus is the Messiah, God's chosen king, who came to call people into the kingdom, then we come to the next verse, right? Verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus sees the crowd. In all the different places that he goes, he sees them. And he has compassion for them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now friends, these people that Jesus was saying, they were a scattered people. Some of the tribes of Israel has been dispersed into the world. 
the Holy Land, conquered by the Romans. They did have religious leaders. Who were they? The Pharisees, Sadducees, and the scribes. And what do these people do? They lay a heavy burden on the people. They eat up the people for their own agenda. These are not shepherds, they're wolves. <coughs> Scripture tells us, these are the ones who devour the house of widows. These are the people who have no mercy, no compassion for the poor and the downtrodden. These are the ones that refuse to come and sit down with sinners, refuse to show them a better way. They have failed in every way to care for the people of Israel. And worse than that, these people, they are already born with a sinful nature, under the power of sin and Satan. And so naturally they sin. They struggle to be right with God. What can such helpless people do in their situation? They have no hope, neither in themselves or their leaders. And so they're described here. They're harassed. They're helpless. Jesus knows they're all sinners, each and every one of them. But he considers their circumstances. And instead of judging them in the same way that the Pharisees had, Jesus has mercy on them because he is compassionate. So friends, we see here a key principle behind the ministry of Jesus. Jesus, God's chosen king, comes to serve his people, driven by his compassion for them. And friends, this is why the book of Hebrews tells us that in Jesus, we have a high priest who can sympathize with our failures and sins. And it's not because he was sinful himself, but because having seen what the world is like and the troubles of the world in the flesh, he then can have compassion on us. And if you remember, compassion changes the way that we see people. <clears throat> then we can also see that Jesus sees people then with a heart of love. He doesn't come as a judge. He doesn't come in anger. He came to call them back to God. And so friends, this is why Jesus was able to minister rightly. And this is why he cared about bringing the gospel of the kingdom to the people. He saw the need that they had. He saw that they were sheep without hope because those who claim to be their shepherds, they're wolves intent on devouring the people. And so we see now, because of this Jesus who have compassion on them, the sheep finally have a shepherd in the person of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, it's God himself who is their shepherd. And we see this from the reading, right? God calls himself the good shepherd. He promises that he himself will come to rescue the sheep from the mouths of the wolves. And so Matthew reveals to us, actually, uh, right here, this person, Jesus Christ, that is him. And so we know that he is the one who's come to rescue his people, that he will care for them, and he will bring them to still waters. Because he is the shepherd who has compassion in his heart for his people. This is the shepherd that is good for the sheep to follow. This is the shepherd the sheep can trust in and come to in order to be led and cared for in the right way. And so we see Jesus is the true hope 
for a people without hope. Jesus is the good shepherd who gives them real hope, which comes through the gospel of the kingdom. And now, so far, good news, right? But we also need to see this task is a great task, isn't it? The message needs to go to everyone, to every village, every town. And that is a labor that is heavy. And the need is urgent because the sheep is everywhere. The sheep is already being devoured. And here's the issue. Jesus is God, but he came in the flesh. He ministered in the flesh. He did not appear in all these villages simultaneously. He did not multiply himself and go to many places at once. He did not appear from the cloud and speak to all of Israel to proclaim the gospel. Instead, he worked with a limitation. He went to each place personally, one by one. Add to that then the concern. He knows the false shepherds are wolves. They hate him. It's already hinted, right? They looked at Jesus' miracle and said, oh, this is working by the power of Satan. And Jesus knows they will eventually kill him. So the time for him to minister personally to these people is limited. And yet he sees again and again the hopelessness in the crowds before him. He feels the urgency. So there's this dilemma, isn't it? The need for the gospel is urgent, but Jesus is alone in his messianic ministry to the people. And thus, we come to verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly, to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And he comes to his disciples and he tells them, harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And if you think about it, using this harvest language actually implies urgency. Because when the time comes for the harvest, right, you have to gather it and take it quickly. You cannot just chill next week. Because if you leave the harvest out for too long, you risk it getting ruined, damaged, eaten by animals, uh, uh, getting damaged by frost and so on. So just by using this harvest analogy, Jesus is spelling out to us actually the situation. There's one Jesus, but there is a great need for many to come and hear the gospel, which will bring them into the kingdom. So how then are these people, this harvest for the kingdom, going to be gathered in a timely manner? Now, we too might realize this urgency if we take a moment to think of all those that we know around us who are perishing. And you start to feel a bit uncomfortable. Then we look around the world and we see just how broken this world is, how desperately the gospel is needed to give hope to the broken, the depressed, the poor, the hungry, the suffering, the homeless, the migrants, and so on. And at this point, we will panic. And then we will say, okay, okay, let's gather money uh, and send money, feed the poor. Or we talk about, okay, build up and send missionaries, faster find people. And these are actually good responses, right? But notice where Jesus goes first. He tells the disciples to pray for the Lord of Harvest, to send out laborers together in the harvest. So Jesus here <coughs> is asking the disciples to first pray for mission before even talking about how they can participate, how they can help Jesus, how they can work together with him in ministry. No, pray first. 
And sometimes in our desire to act, to be the change, we forget about the importance of praying for mission, on relying on God. So for those of you who are already convicted, there is a need for mission. And this is a reminder for you, pray. And it's not just about praying occasionally when you gather in church once a week, or when there's a special talk about mission and sending. Jesus tells the disciples, pray earnestly. And this means we should pray fervently and regularly in private, in your growth groups, in your church prayer meetings, or wherever you pray. You need to have a desperation to your prayer, a real need, that, that, that hope that God will answer this. Because your heart is yearning for all the people that need the gospel to save them. So friends, can we honestly say that we are praying in this manner? That we really, really want God to grant this particular prayer? And if that is you, well done. So I do suspect that for most of us, our prayers are centered around our needs. Those are the important ones. We might tack on mission at the side, lah. But here's the important one, my health, my comfort, my desire, my passion, my family, my studies, my exams. But if we really have compassion, our prayers will change the way that our heart works. And that's one way to test your heart, isn't it? To see if you really do have compassion for those who are perishing. Do you pray? So pray that God will raise up more missionaries and gospel workers. Pray that there will be more church plants in areas where we can strategically reach out with the gospel. We should be thinking and praying God send some of us outside into the world to start a new church plant so we can reach all the people that we don't reach. We should pray for God to change our hearts, our church members' hearts, to be more mission-minded, to be sacrificial. Pray often. Pray urgently. Because the need is real. And here's the thing, friends. Actually, uh, God does not need you to save people. So why is Jesus asking the disciples to pray? Why are we called to pray? Because God wants your heart to change. That's why Jesus is asking his disciples to pray here. So that they will learn what compassion looks like. Act through that prayers which will lead them to change their heart. And it's this compassion and prayer that actually prepares them for the ministry work that they have ahead of them. This is how the disciples begin to become worthy tools for God's own use. So we too have much to learn, right? About finding compassion in our hearts for others, being changed by it, reaching out to God in prayer, desiring for people to come to salvation. And then we can say that we are ready to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So if you're not doing this, you're actually not lah. And so our passage ends here. And as we consider the application for today, we can say from the passage, two things stands out. Compassion of Jesus, the need for prayer in ministry. So firstly, 
we see that Jesus is showing his, that his heart is full of compassion for people, right? And he shows us Jesus is the good shepherd whom Israel has been waiting for. If only they realize that, they will all come to him. That's a good point. It is right and good to come to Jesus because he is the good shepherd. He has the best interest for his people in his heart. So we too should come to Jesus, call others to come to this good shepherd. And so we need to help people to see, hey, Jesus is the shepherd that you need. You can't shepherd yourself. You can't rely on other shepherds. And how will they know this? We need to tell people then about the gospel, about the character of Jesus, who Jesus is, so that they may come to know him who can free them from their suffering. More than that, there's also the implication to those of us who are disciples of Christ, isn't it? We can see from the passage, ministry to people have to begin with compassion towards them. The Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, they thought they were serving the people. They thought they were doing ministry. And that's why they were condemning people for their sins. In their hypocrisy, they judged, put down people, pulled themselves up. And sometimes we can be like that. We don't have compassion. We judge people. Even our brothers and sisters who sometimes fail us in church, doesn't serve the way that we want, or say something that you're not happy with, and we judge them. And this is what the Pharisees were doing. They thought they were glorious servants of God, but they were serving in the wrong way. And you know what's the difference? They did not have compassion for the people. They did not love. So think about that. When you think about that colleague who likes to backstab you at your work, or an annoying boss, that Christian friend that you just don't like, or people that you know who likes to make fun of Christianity, they send in memes, they say bad things, or people with very strong views about LGBT, abortion, and they mock Christianity. You're always stupid, lah. Think of those who are poor, the beggars, the drunkards, the drug addicts, the prostitutes, all the people that you come across. We need to find compassion in our heart for them. If we don't, all you're serving towards them is no different than how the Pharisees served the Israelites. So serving without comparison is a sure way to fool yourself into thinking you are a servant of Jesus when actually you're opposing him. Love your neighbors was not a suggestion. So don't be a Pharisee because you don't want to hear these words from Christ. Depart from me. I knew you not. And as for prayers, we do see that natural flow, isn't it? It is only when you have compassion do you have a strong yearning for the salvation of others. And it's only then that the urgency of the gospel will mean something to you and flowing out of the compassion, you will bend your knees and pray to God, please send more workers. And it's only then that your heart and your hands are suitable for God's ministry. And of course, don't be surprised if the worker that God sends is you. That's what we see if you continue reading up to Matthew chapter 10. 
Jesus sends the disciples out. Okay, pray ready, now go. And perhaps that's why we don't like to think or pray about mission. Because we're actually scared. That God will grant our prayers and send us out. And then make us miss out our routines and our comfort zone and our plans. It's scary, I know. But even then, pray. And as your heart changes, may God use you for His mission. You don't have to go to Africa for missions. Look at the people around you. The ones sitting to your left, to your right. Your children, your family members, your friends. These are your immediate circle. You can start ministering to them. You can start learning to have compassion for them. And if you're already doing that, then expand your circle. Maybe it's a beggar on the way to work. Maybe it's a bunch of migrants who live near you. Maybe it's a Nepali guard in your condo. Maybe it's your work colleagues. And friends, you can just keep on expanding the circle, isn't it? Africa is still there once you expand it enough. But the real question is not so much what it can look like. The real question is, are you willing to change your heart? To look in your heart. Find compassion for the masses. So don't ignore the beggar. Don't like avoid eye contact, walk across the other side, and then go back. Don't do that. Talk to them. Find out their story. That's how you find compassion for them. Personal confession. Uh, before I uh, read through this passage with the intention to preach, I used to think I was a decent pastor. Then I looked at the message and I realized two things. I myself do not serve people rightly. Yes, when I don't like someone, I think they're annoying, I still serve because you're trained, right? Okay, pastors, you need to put your personal feelings aside, uh, serve people. Actually, I'm doing it out of duty, not out of compassion for them, not out of love. That's not the kind of service that God wants us to give. Yes, when it comes to prayer, I do remember. I pray for missions whenever I lead the daily office in the morning. Uh, when I host the cathedral prayer meeting, for sure I will put missions in there. But actually, come to my personal prayers, the daily ones, it doesn't come out that often. And actually, even when it comes up, it comes at the end, after I pray for all the other things. And, and before I read this passage, before I was challenged, I thought I was doing a good job of being a pastor. And the point here is, you see how easy it is to fool yourself. And this is why we need God's Word, to rebuke us. And so reading the passage carefully helps us to see, right? I was able to see, I'm actually not a good pastor, I'm a bad one. So I need to listen to God's Word. I need to look at my priorities and my heart. So as painful as it is, I am thankful for God's Word because it exposes my need. And it helps me to start on the passage of change, uh, to start on the path of changing to please Him. So I'm not here standing to say, hey, you guys are better go and change. No. I'm saying, no, I realize even I myself have failed to do this correctly. And so I need to learn how to do this correctly myself. So maybe we should all also check. Lah. It's easy to get away if you're not careful. So can I invite you? Reflect on your life. And know that God is willing to work in me, in you, to change us for His glory.
So are you willing to change? So consider that as we come to God in prayers. Heavenly Father, please help us to change, help us to love people, help us to have patience with those who we find hard to be patient with, but most importantly, help us to love them, not serve them merely out of duty. Help us to be people who desire to bring the gospel to others, to have a heart of mission, and help us to love like Jesus loved people. Please change us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.